Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Genesis 32 and 9 says, And Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, the Lord said to me, Return to your country and your kindred, and I will deal with thee. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth that you have showed unto your servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I've become two bands. He had to separate his two families. So deliver me. I pray thee from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, I fear, notice he comes right out and declares his problem. I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And I wanna remind you, God, that you said you would do me good and make my seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for the multitude. And then verse 24, and Jacob was left alone. In Jacob's time of fear, he reminded God of his promises and what he had been asked to do in his obedience. So he did three things, you need to remember this. He prayed, he protected, And then he got alone with God. He prayed, he protected his family to the best of his ability, and then he got alone with God. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes today on this subject. The blessings and yet the dangers of being alone. The blessings and dangers of being alone. God bless you. You may be seated. We all need times of being alone. It's a good thing sometimes to be alone. Did you know that? Have you ever had a desire? I had one just this morning. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to be sitting on that pier, looking out over the water on a day like this, you know, maybe there's a very special place you have that, that you enjoy. Maybe it's a scenic place. Maybe it's a peaceful, a restful place for you. And there are just times that you go to your happy place and you say, this is awesome. I am all alone with my thoughts. And it's great. There are times where you just say, I don't want to hear another song. I don't want to hear another word. I don't want to be made aware of another problem. I just need to be alone. Leave me alone. And you know what? You need that. You need to be alone. You need to be alone with yourself every once in a while. Are you comfortable with that? 
Are you comfortable with yourself? Are you comfortable with being alone? It's a good thing. Can I get an amen? Sometimes it's good to be alone. Sometimes it's really good to separate yourself from all other couples and all other families and just have some alone time with your wife or your spouse. I think double dates are good. I think going out with, with groups of, of people, you know, and, and having dinner and having fellowship, I think that's a good thing. But I think there's got to be some alone times between you and your spouse if you're married. Can I get an amen to that? My wife says to me, you know, it's, it appears that sometimes we're always with people. Do you ever want to be alone with me? You need some alone, and you need some family time. If you've got kids or grandkids, I think family vacations are a good thing. I think being alone with your family is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I will not criticize people for taking vacations. I think it's a good thing. You need it. It builds relationship. It strengthens things that the enemy would like to tear down. All of us have memories of, of vacations or hunting trips or, or activities or ball games or things that we've interacted in with our family that, that are special to us. And they are in our computers and we can bring them back to memory. And that's a good thing to have those alone times. But there are other times where being alone is not a good thing. It is not a good thing. 1 Corinthians 14 and 10 says, there are many voices, kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. And not all of these voices, hear me now, that enter into your mind are of God. They are not. And we had better learn to discern the spirit and be able to distinguish between when God is talking to us, when Satan is talking to us, or when it's just me talking to myself. So I've got three spirits of influence in my life. And all of them have significance according to the scripture. They are many voices. Let me talk to you about the dangers of being alone. In everything that God created in Genesis, when he got done creating it, and he, he said, and it was good. Except one thing. In Genesis chapter two and verse 18, it said, the Lord said, it is not good. It is not good that the man should be My mother used to say, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Did you ever hear that? It's not always good to be alone. Now, I know that some people will never marry, and that's not always because nobody cares about them. Sometimes they prefer. The apostle Paul never married. He believed that it was to his advantage and 
for his ministry. It, it gave him more time to do what God had called him to do. He didn't have to be concerned about a wife and a, and a family, but that's not normal. That's not the average, okay? And most people, when given a choice, would prefer not to be alone. Not to be alone. So God made a helpmate. And he made one woman for one man. I'm so glad that God keeps it simple. I mean, he, he really thinks things through before he does anything. He doesn't create buddies for Adam. Somebody preach with me today. I'm going to create a bunch of guys so that you can have some friends to fish and hunt with and play with. And he doesn't create them first. He said, you, you and I have a relationship. We've established that. I've given you a job to do. Your job is to take care of this garden. But even after those two relationships, I recognize in you, Adam, that it is not good for you to be alone. So I'm going to create somebody just for you and for you alone. And it is going to be somebody of the opposite sex so that you can form a relationship that's called marriage and that this could lead into what is called family. And that relationship will supersede all other relationships in human form. Somebody say amen to that now. Amen. And then, you know, because of these kinds of relationships, there will be other males and you can interact with other males and, and there will be other women and they can interact and do what women do and, and that'll be a good thing. But don't forget the order. Don't forget the order of relationships. I recognize it's not good for you to be alone. Now I want you to go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. I shared a little bit of this in a prayer meeting. Uh, by the way, tomorrow night is family prayer at seven o'clock. Thank you for saying amen. I wanna tell you the story before I read about a man that got alone. There was a great prophet of God named Elijah, one of the greatest prophets that God ever had who called down fire from heaven and killed the prophets of Baal. But after the prophets of Baal were killed, a woman by the name of Jezebel threatened Elijah and said, by this time tomorrow, you will be as those prophets. You will be a dead man. And one man was afraid of one woman to the point that he ran and hid in a cave. Now, you and I cannot understand why a great prophet of God, after calling down fire from heaven and destroying all of these other prophets, would be afraid of one woman, but it was his weakness. And each of us can have different weaknesses. We don't, we're not all identical. We are not twins. We have different weaknesses and, and vulnerabilities. And for whatever reason, this was Elijah's weakness and vulnerability was his fear of Jezebel. And he was so afraid of Jezebel that he ran away from his servant and all other people and he went to a cave and he hid in a cave. Verse number nine of 1 Kings 19 says, he came unto a cave and 
and he lodged there. He didn't just stop. He set it up like a house. He planned on staying there indefinitely. He lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, slain your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Listen to the fear and yet the self-righteousness of the prophet Elijah. Everybody's turned against you, God. You know your people? I don't know where they are. All the prophets are being slain. They've turned against me. They seek to take my life. I'm the only one left that's doing what's right. Is anybody going to preach with me today? Have you ever felt that way? You try to do the right thing, other people don't. They have no scruples, they have no morals, they have no values, they break all the rules. And you feel like you're the only one that's trying to do the right thing. And even the people of God have come against you. You are now all alone. It's just you. You are the last of the Mohicans. So that's why I'm in this cave And the Lord said, go stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and there was a great and a strong wind, and it rent the mountains. Now that's got to be a pretty strong wind if you can tear up rocks. And he broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there came a still, small voice. There can be some pretty traumatic events in your life, but you don't feel God, hear God, or see God in any of them. But if you get still, and if you be Quiet. God whispers. Elijah, I have something I want to tell you, and you alone listen. And I don't know what he said. It's not recorded here. But he did say something. And at first... 15, or 13 rather, it was so when Elijah heard it that he took off his coat and he wrapped his face in his mantle. This is my opinion. But I believe after he heard from God, he was so disturbed that he wept and he used his garment to dry his own tears because he finally heard from God. And when he heard from God, Watch this. He went out and stood in the entering 
of the cave. He's starting to come out, but he's not all the way out. What he heard was bringing him out, but he's still not away from the cave. Preach with me now. And there came a voice unto him, and he said, what are you doing, Elijah? And listen to what he says. I've been jealous for the Lord of hosts. The children of Israel forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altar, slain your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This is word for word. What he had previously said before God gave him a still small voice. He was still not completely out of his cave. And when the enemy can get you alone in a cave, he will give you speeches. And he will repeat them over and over and over in your mind until you begin to speak them word for word like you've memorized them. Because you have. He was not out. And this was the same thing that happened with Mary and Martha too. When their brother died, you know what? They spoke the same language. Remember, we preached about this a few weeks ago. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Here comes Mary. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother. Where'd you get that from? We recited it. We practiced saying it together. We came to the same conclusion. You messed up. You failed. You should have been here. This could have been prevented if you would have listened to what we instructed you to do, Jesus. But you didn't do it. I had, a, I had a greater plan in mind. You couldn't have possibly known that. Elijah, quit, quit quoting this stuff to me. I already heard this. God hates vain repetitions. I know I'm going to say something, I'm going to get in trouble for it, but it needs to be said. God doesn't want you to say the Lord's Prayer every day. Oh boy, now wait a minute. He said, he said after this manner. He didn't say repeat after me. Learn these things. Make them a part of your prayer life. But I was never looking for a parrot. I was looking for a person. You wouldn't want me to say the same thing to you every day. I don't want to hear the same thing from you every day. Put some emotion into it. Put some feeling into it. And the Lord said unto him, all right, I've heard your second speech, verse 15. Go return. I'm going to tell you now. Here's what I want you to do. See, here's the thing. When you're in a cave and you're afraid, you are doing nothing for God. Nothing. The only thing that matters is you. And so the Lord said, you know what? I need to tell you what to do next. So here's how I'm going to get you out of this cave. And the Lord said, here, I want you to go return to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, I want you to anoint Haziel to be the king of Syria. That's number one. Number two, and Jehu, the son of Nimzi, shall anoint to be king 
over Israel. I want you to anoint a second king. That's number two. And Elisha, the son of Shapeth of Abshalomah, shalt thou anoint to be a prophet in your room. That's number three. I want you to have a second man. I want you to mentor Elisha, and he's to live with you. Those are the three things I want you to do. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And by the way, I like this about God. And by the way, Elijah, you got bad information. You must be watching too many newscasts. I have left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. You are incorrect in thinking you are the last. I've still got 7,000 prophets. 7,000. Wow. So, verse 19, he departed thence, and he didn't do it in the order that God told him to do it. He was supposed to anoint two kings. But it says he departed and he found Elisha, which was number three on the list, who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he went with the 12th, and Elijah passed by, and he threw his mantle meaning his cloak, over the top of Elisha. And Elisha knew what that meant. I'm willing to share my anointing with you. Why did Elijah do number three and not number one first? Because he realized, he finally figured it out. He found out that there was a danger in being alone. I need another man of God in my life. I need somebody at my side. I need to share my ministry. Everybody needs to mentor somebody. Can I get an amen? Everybody needs to, this is not just, well, the pastor needs to pick successors or No, 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 no. Everybody needs to mentor somebody for ministry. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you mentor Sunday school teachers. If you're a home Bible study teacher, it's not just about you being a great Bible study teacher. Who's sitting in that class that's gonna be the next Bible study teacher? Is anybody hearing me today? We need to be mentoring people and training people in how to live because being alone can be a a bad thing. And if anything happens to the man of God or the woman of God and there's no mentor, then you've got gaps, holes. And that's how congregations dissolve because they're built on one person. One personality. This church is not built on on Rick Kiley. This church is first built on Jesus Christ and it's built on the men and women of God that love God and would walk with God whether Rick Kiley walked with God or not. 
If Rick Kylie goes astray, they're going to keep right on walking. They're going to keep right on praying, praising, teaching, loving, serving. Can I get an amen? And we're not following Rick Kylie. We're following Jesus Christ. And we ought to have enough truth and enough mentoring in our lives to stand up and live for God if nobody else does. But, but, we need to draw as close as we can to the strongest men and women of God that we can find in the congregation. Now, I'm going I'm to tell a story on myself. I hope you won't think less of me, but I really don't care. <laughs> I get discouraged sometimes. I get fearful sometimes. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen tomorrow morning. It happens every Monday morning. Every Monday morning, I'm going to walk into the sanctuary and I'm after my prayer time, after my prayer time, and I'm going to spend some time in the sanctuary picking up bulletins, picking up papers, and seeing the people that were there yesterday worshiping God. And I'm going to thank God for yesterday. I do that every Monday. Every Monday I do that, I pick up the papers. I'm going to spend time working on the grounds. If people can't be here to cut the grass, I know Michael made another peel today, and, and I know people are planting flowers and, and doing work, but if they don't show up, I will cut the grass. I will work and put everything, absolutely everything I have into whatever messages that I will preach in the upcoming week. I will come to the pulpit on a Sunday morning with an hour and a half message and I will condense it into less than 40 minutes. I will only give you the highlights. I can't give you everything that God has placed in my heart. So I will just give you the very best and I know your limitations for hearing and I will put everything I have into that time span on Sunday morning. And I will probably be disappointed with the results that I see after that message because one of three spirits will talk to me this afternoon. I know the pattern and I know the way it works. So what I have learned is praise what is right. Praise what is being done. Do not look at the people that are not there. Do not criticize the people that are not working. Praise the ones who are. Work with the ones that are willing to do what's right. Count the ones that are doing good. That is the only way that you will survive because of being alone can be a dangerous, dangerous thing. I will talk to my wife. I will talk to other people this afternoon. I refuse to be alone and let the negativity that comes after you've poured out virtue come to my life. I'm not saying that so that you, you think I'm somebody special. I'm saying that so that I can equip you because I don't want you to have a bad Sunday afternoon, not even one bad day during the week. I'm trying to feed, lead, and protect. That's my job. Feed, lead, and protect. And being alone was bad for Elijah, great man of God that he was, and it's bad for you if you're in fear. Don't misunderstand my message. 
Oh, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. One, one minute you say it's good to be alone and you should be alone with yourself and your wife and your family. Then you turn around and say, it's bad to be alone. God said it's not good that the man should be alone. Now you talk about a great man of God. You say it was bad for him to be alone. I'm saying that it's bad for you to be alone if the wrong spirit has put you in a place of negativity and a becoming a cave dweller and separating you from the body of Christ and beginning to think like Elijah did that nobody else is living for God and nobody else is doing right. Even if that were true, you keep doing the right thing. But it's not true. I'm being a man of God today and telling you that. If you've thought that, I'm the only one that's doing right, you know, this is not right, this is not right, people are not doing what's right, I'm the only one doing what's right. I've preached a message to you about Elijah and God said it's not true. So hang with the strong and continue to do what is right. Let me give you one more example of not being where you should be. Do you remember Judas? Betrayed the Lord, 30 pieces of silver. Matthew 27. Mm. Judas, verse three, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, remember that, he repented himself. He brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, well, what's that to us? We don't care. You see to it. He took the 30 pieces of silver into the temple, threw them down and departed. And he went and hanged himself. Look what Judas tried to do. He went to the people that he got the money from and tried to give it back, but he never went to the one that he betrayed. And after he gave back the money and he left, he was all alone. And that spirit came to him and said, You are an absolute worthless human being. How could you do what you've done? You will never be forgiven for this. This is the greatest sin throughout all of history. The greatest. You might as well go out and hang yourself. Because nobody, I mean nobody, cares about you. Let me tell you something. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. Because lots of people are feeling like Judas. This was not a public hanging. This was a private hanging. We call that suicide. 
You can drug yourself to death. You can drink yourself to death. You can run into a tree or run into another car. You can find all ways of killing yourself. Why would you do that? Because you're all alone and you can't feel forgiveness or mercy or grace. You're all alone. You choose to be alone. And the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. And he's the one that's doing the talking. And you're the one that's doing the listening. And he is hoping that you will take his advice and kill yourself. Because he does not have the power himself to do it. Satan never killed anyone. He may have inspired it. But we've done it. I was in the barber shop the other day. True story. I'm in the barber shop. Barbara said, terrible thing happened yesterday. I said, oh yeah, what was that? He said, there was a guy across the street. He was painting on that building over there. I went over and just had a few words with him because it was kind of hot. Took him a bottle of water. Asked him how he was doing. He said he was doing good. Drank a bottle of water and 15 minutes later he'd hanged himself. Right in that room, right up there and pointed at that window. And it was his mother that found him. How does it happen? The dangers of being alone. Do you know when people commit adultery and fornication? When they think they are alone. Do you know why people lie? Because they think they won't be found out. Nobody will know you're alone in your lie. You know what Judas didn't get to hear? He didn't get to hear some of the last words of Jesus. It would have been, even if he could have put a mask on and hid in a crowd, if he, if he could have just somehow been there and made an attempt to ask for forgiveness or even been there to at least witness the end of Jesus' life, he would have heard these words. Father, Forgive them. They know not what they do. But he wasn't there because he was busy being alone. And it's dangerous. And when you, and I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost is going to do. I'm talking to believers now. The Holy Ghost or your conscience, one of the two, is going to give you a means of escape before you do something that you're going to regret doing alone. And it's your opportunity to escape. And it will be that, that God will direct you to someone that you can interact with so that you are no longer feeling that you are alone. Go talk to your wife. Call your son up. Call up your brother. See if he's got time to go out for an ice cream cone. Quit being alone. I want to read this in conclusion. Never be alone with fear or unforgiveness. They'll always take you to a cave. Why was Elijah in a cave? Fear. 
Why did Judas hang himself? Unforgiveness. But Psalm 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God. And Jacob was left alone. Get alone with God. This is the last part of this message. Get alone with God. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. This will mean that he will no longer walk the way he had previously walked. Will anybody preach with me? When God touches you, you will no longer walk the way that you have previously walked. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I am not satisfied with just a touch. I will not let you go except you bless me. I'm not leaving till I get what I came for to be alone with God. And he said, well, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name will no more be called Jacob but Israel for as a prince you have power, power. This is what Israel means. Power with God and with men. You're not alone. Now I want you to hear the last thing I'm going to do with you today is I want you to hear a very, very short part of President Ronald Reagan's inaugural address and see how it fits this message. And there's one particular part that I want you to hear about a warrior's pledge. So pay attention, it's a very short clip. Sister Kylie. As to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero I spoke of earlier. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Porkchop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary 
on the flyleaf under the heading My Pledge, he had written these words. America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Let's stand together. What a great president. Praise God. When I heard this speech and I heard the pledge, it touched me. So I'm going to say it one more time before I invite you to this altar today. A place where you can be alone with God. Maybe you've got some wrestling you need to do. I encourage you not to leave until you get what you came for. But I would hope that we as Christians would recognize that we are Christian soldiers. And I remind you of this man and what he said one last time before I bring you to this altar. My pledge is this. America must win this war. I will work. I will save. I will sacrifice. I will endure. I will fight cheerfully. I will do my utmost. As if the issue of all other people's salvation, I changed that part, depended on me and me alone. Help me, Lord, to truly be a warrior, a Christian soldier, to never think that I'm alone and if God be for us, then who can stand against us? And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And in this war of terrorism that comes from the enemy and from sin, help me to be a Christian soldier and to fight as if it all depended on me and you alone. 
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.